0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. Uh, so we're, we're calling it Wilderness because the Christian journey, the Christian faith, the life in Christ... Um, often can feel like a wilderness because we are not fully realized. We're not fully in heaven, right? So we are still in this tension of the, we're saved by grace and we're in this relationship with Jesus and um, we're still in this world where evil exists, right? Just like we watched uh, in that video. Um, And I linked that video in if you want to watch it again. I know there's kind of a lot of content to like wrestle through as you think about that. But if you want to watch it again this week and watch the beginning of it, uh, I would highly encourage it. But that idea that we live in this world where we still live in that tension of evil exists around us and even resides in us at times, right, where we forget about the goodness of God and we fall into either bad habits or we fall into... Destructive patterns of the past of our life before Christ, and um, and so we live in this wilderness. We live where there can be spaces of oasis, and there can be spaces where it feels like a desert, and um, and that happens. And many of you can probably relate that maybe this week you've had the highs and the lows and everything in between, right? Um, and so. We journey through this wilderness, but we continue to be equipped into what it means to thrive as believers. We begin to abide in Jesus and begin to experience that life to the full that he invites us into. So Ephesians, we're going to read this passage, and then we'll talk about a little bit. We're going to talk about light and darkness. That's why I put this light up here. Um, And the light has beautiful symbolism, which we're going to talk about here in a second. So let's read it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, we're in 8 through 14. And I believe it's on the screen if you want to follow along there um, or in your notes. For you were once darkness. As we talk about the wilderness, you were once part of that darkness. But now you're light in the Lord. So in Christ, in God's presence, you become light. You get to be part of this. You're no longer in that darkness. He says, live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists In all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That's the highlight underlined circle. Verse 11. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in the secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. This idea of light and dark as we journey through Lent uh, becomes very obvious. If you've given up something that's difficult that you want to have each day, um, it really shines a light on areas where we are dependent on other things, right? Um, If you've given up social media ever in your life, you understand what that's like. If you've been super deeply connected to social media or something else, if you want to fill something else in there, if you want that doesn't work for you, um, that then when you remove it, you become keenly aware of how reliant you were on that thing for comfort, for sustenance, for, um, I don't know, maybe even just feeling okay about life, whatever it is, like it, it becomes this, this pacifier in a way For feeling good. And really, it's superficial because when we begin to remove those things, we start to see how superficial those are, how temporary they are, um, how much they don't fulfill and they don't have a lasting effect. And so, what he points out here in Ephesians is that there's this light and this dark. And as you begin to remove things from your life, um, you begin to see the difference between the light and the dark. And um, maybe. At times, you've experienced that, and using that metaphor a little further, um, is anybody willing to admit, like, were were you scared of the dark? I'm going to put my hand up. Were you scared of the dark when you were a kid? Okay. What causes that? Let's have a conversation about it. (laughs) Rational? I love that. That was perfect. That was concise. A rational fear. The darkness, like, you can't see anything, right? Right? And in your mind, you're like, there are monsters in the closet or there are lots of evil people surrounding my house right now trying to get in. It's not a reality, but like when you have to take out the trash, that's what goes through your mind when you're a kid, uh, maybe when you're adult still, <laughs> still, yeah, still in that, still in that book. Uh, yeah, still running, like turn around real quick, <laughs> turn on all the lights, you know, all the porch light and everything. let talk about that. Um, but what? As kids, like, what what is that? Like, why is it that we we have that fear of the darkness if we get down to the bottom of it? Let's say that again? You're vulnerable. You're vulnerable. Yeah. Yep. You're kind of defenseless and, like, you can't really fight anything off. <laughs> anything is, is a fear. Um, what else? Maybe it's a, learned fear. a learned fear from movies. Chris and I were talking about that, um, that sometimes when we talk about monsters and we talk about these things that don't really exist, that then kids, their imagination is that good, right? That then they're like, yeah, mom told me about this monster that exists or this thing, or I saw it on a movie and that was real. And in their mind, it's very much real. Even though we're like, our logical mind and our experience has been like, there's never been a monster when I walked to the trash, it's not gonna happen. But in their minds, they're like, no, that's, that could happen, right? Um, They have great imagination. We all do. We just learn to tame it, right? Um, I think when there's the unknown, there's something that happens, right? And that's what we see here is the contrast of light and darkness and that truth, knowledge, understanding helps us know that we no longer have to be fearful when we walk to the trash can. As much. (laughs) There's still an irrational fear that exists somewhere that says... There will be something, um, an axe murder or a chainsaw, yeah, something. Um, I want to give an illustration, but I don't want to throw my kids under the bus every Sunday. I can't do that. Um, yeah, she's like, don't do it. Um, but it was so beautiful. But no, you guys all understand. We've all been there as kids, or we, those of you that have kids, you understand what that's like—the the fear that happens. And then um, once the the light switch flips on, it's like a completely different world, right? Like. Th- Everything is brought to light, and now the knowledge of what's going on. I no longer have to stub my toe on the mystery of whatever exists. That now I can walk with clarity and move forward and go. You know what? Nothing is there. I can't see. I can see everything that's going on. That there's no concern that's going to affect me right now. And so he uses this 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 contrast of light and dark, um, to begin to see the parallel between. The evil things, because this is, this is supposed to be a parallel to our lives and the things that we face, the challenges that exist, the temptations that exist in our lives, to say, what are the, the, what's the evil that exists that maybe we need to shine light onto, that we need to illuminate with God's love to begin to see that that has no power, that has nothing, it has no impact, um, no strength, no true strength. Sure, it can have... A really detrimental impact on our lives if we begin to pursue evil. But what he says here is pursue goodness, righteousness, and truth. And as you begin to pursue that knowledge, you begin to see what is good and discern between what's good for my life and what are the things that are damaging and destructive and do not help me in any way. Um, Verse 10 is interesting because it says a really cool line that I, I never really clued on and clued in on until this week, but it says, try to find out what pleases the Lord. And I thought that was like a very I don't know, authentic way of approaching this. That it's like, I'm not just gonna give you a list right now, but have an intentionality about your life that says you want to figure out what pleases the Lord. What is God into? And maybe once you know what he's into, what God's trying to do in your life, then you understand the why. Because as you begin to engage in that, you begin to see how good it is and how the lies and the deception of evil will creep in to try and give you this paralysis, um, this like thing that just keeps you from living life freely. Um There's another verse where where Jesus talks about, if you don't acknowledge the darkness, how dark is that darkness within you? Um, That if you don't acknowledge it, if you're not going to spend time thinking and seeking out what is the good that God desires, that darkness will come in and convince you that whatever you're doing is good and healthy and right. Uh, We see it in our culture continuously. Um, I don't need to give tons of examples on that one, but evil will be deceptive if it wasn't deceptive, we would see through it, right? Like we would see it and go, yeah, that doesn't help my life. I don't need to be a part of that. But the reason it's so convincing is because it is deceptive, because it does lure us in, like the carrot that just draws us in and says, keep going this way. This will be really good for you, right? Um, Satan has that ability. Like he's not going to use the obvious thing that would make you go, yeah, that's not healthy. I'm not part of it. He's going to use the thing that will be subtle, that will like slowly convince you that what you're doing is going to be profitable, that it's going to be good for your life, good for your family, good for your well-being, and, and slowly seep in and transform you from the inside out in a bad way. Um, I want to I read this next passage, and then uh, we're going to have a little discussion on it. But uh, Matthew 5, Jesus talks about this contrast between light and dark and talks about it continuously. And this is one of these verses that... Um, that I've gotten memorized over the years because of uh, Pastor Duane. That was one of our pastors back in the day that um, would just recite this verse constantly. And it was was really beautiful. So I just want to give him credit for this, for like having it being like ingrained in my life. But um, it says, you are the light of the world. Uh, A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And this is a sermon that Jesus is giving. It's on the Sermon on the Mount very famous. Um, And he goes on and he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So Jesus really elevates your good deeds and your life and the way that you live uh, because it becomes this very beautiful contrast to what is good and what is evil. Because when you are generous, when you are loving, when you are kind, When you do something where you go out of your way for someone else, it's a very stark contrast to everybody else you deal with in your world, right? We've all been there. We've dealt with people that are very much the takers. And you've been around people that are the givers, right? And you've seen what it's like when people are continually concerned about their stuff and they're just going to continually consume from everyone else. But then you run into those people that are like this. That are consumed with good deeds and they're just like, how are you doing? And continually trying to serve and just pour out of their life the love of Jesus into others and how beautiful that is because that is light. That is shining that light. And this is one of those verses that you may not think it's controversial, but it's one of those things where the church will say, you don't need to do good deeds. You don't do that. Like it's by faith alone that you are saved. But what do you gain from Jesus' teaching right here? What does he clearly point out? You can just shout it out if you see something very glaring and obvious in this. What does he point out about our walk as Christian believers? you got to let our light shine. There has to be an active element to it, right? It can't just be hidden. He says it. He's like, you can't just put it under a bowl. You don't hide it under a bed. You don't put it in your house. He says, you let that light shine. It has to shine. How do we begin to let that shine? That's where the good deeds come in, the active part of who we are. We have to have that very active part of it. The um, how many of you guys have next door? Okay, so you guys see everyone's rant and raves about like the crime in your neighborhood, probably. <laughs> I I saw someone say like just turn on your porch light, and I thought about that. And I was like, that's like a very simple like solution to problems if people are stealing packages, whatever. And I thought about that, and I was like, yeah, the like if your house is completely dark, no one can see anything, like. Sure, like, crime and things can happen in your front yard. The moment you shine a light on something, people are like, whoa, I'm not doing anything there. Like, people will see me, right? Like, the truth will be brought to light. And there, I'm sure there's tons of stats on this, on, like, how light begins to, like, reduce crime in areas, right? Um, it takes place in the darkness. And when you begin to have light, when you turn on your porch light, there's something that happens that just illuminates, like, hey, now everybody can see you steal my package if I have an Amazon package in the front and you run up and, and swipe it, right? Um, cameras do that even more. They shine even more light on those situations. But there's something about a porch light that brings that kind of um, safety and that, that kind of goodness to it. And I would just want to use that visual of like turning our porch light on, that like we are going to be people that... Um, that turn the light on, and not just in a way that like preventing crime. But think about on the other side, how many of you guys have heard this phrase? Uh, we'll leave the light on for you. What I yeah, Tom I said, Dett. "Ding, Tombo Det!" Instantly, <laughs> we'll leave the light on for you. What about that? Like, how many of you guys heard that phrase growing up? Okay, so pretty much everyone in the room for the podcast. Um, what was it about that phrase that did so well? Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> uh, turn to someone next to you, like, just share. Like, what do you think, why do you think that phrase had such impact when it came to um, advertising and using that as a, like, advertising phrase for Motel 6? Go for it. Just find some people near you or whatever. I'll come You guys have a moment to discuss this one? His voice, I don't know if you guys remember that voice. I should just like put a little sound bite in there. But it was so smooth, right? Um, he had that like NPR voice, I guess. Um, but he just, uh, yeah, we'll leave the light on for you. And it was like so welcoming. It was so soft. And like it gave you this like sense of like, this is a place I can trust, right? I don't want to bash on Motel 6. The last one I stayed was not good. Uh, <laughs> so this doesn't work. But side note. No. But it definitely, no, like, they're doing a good job. Um, they're doing great. Uh, we'll leave the line. It was, like, this sense of, like, comfort. Like, yeah, like, that's a place I can trust. The place I can go. Because where you sleep, that's, like, the most vulnerable thing right? Like, you're going to have to trust that place. Um, And and his voice and everything about it was just like, we'll leave the light on for you. Even the concept of like, the light will be on. You're welcome here. You can come to this place. And I just feel like that sums up like kind of what our lives should exude. Like, we'll leave the light on for you. Like, you are welcome. And there's a sense of trust there. There's a sense that you're welcome. And and I think that's what Jesus invites us into when we talk about communion, when we're talking about pushing back the evil and the darkness that exists in this world. It's turning that light on and just saying, my porch light's going to be on. I want to love people. I want them to know that this is a place where, like, it's a safe zone, right? Um, You will be loved. You will be cared for. And so this kind of brings us to kind of the so what do we do with this? How do we begin to live this out? How does this really take root? Um, and I want to show you this this quote just to kind of like finalize that whole concept of light and darkness is from St. Francis' sales. And it says, the devil does his us utmost to banish peace from one's heart. He's trying to rob us of peace constantly. And I think we need to have that reminder. Like I need to put that on my dash when I'm driving. Um, wants to remind you that like the devil, devil wants to take that peace away constantly from your heart because he knows that God abides in peace and it is in peace that he accomplishes great things. When we have a sense of peace that we're going to leave the light on, I believe that God works through that. Like when we're at peace and when you engage in a conversation, people can sense either if you're super intense and you just want to take from this thing, people can sense that. But if you have that Tom Baudet vibe going on, then you are, people are just going to be like, wow, I, I want to hang out with that person. I want to be around this. Like this is the good deeds, the love that Jesus invites us to exude that will push back that darkness. We will be that light. And Mike Foster, um, who's kind of a, a pastor uh, here in North County, um, has, he's written some amazing books, and in one of his books, he says, never underestimate the power of love and time. Both are important ingredients to life change, and so when I talk about leaving the light on, I think that those two little ingredients are good starting points to saying, how's your, how's your time, and how loving are you? And so I'm going to give you guys two questions to close out, because um, we got nine minutes. I'm going to give you four minutes of that to discuss, okay? And I'm going to give you these two questions. How do you respond to people who are difficult to love? Because that's the, that's the challenging part, right? That's where generally Satan will use evil to step in, to keep you from loving because you'd be like, that person is frustrating to be around. I do not want to deal with them, so I am not going to be loving because they constantly take, 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 take. How do you respond though? Do you respond with more evil, more like pushback, whatever it is? Uh, I'm not going to go all like this, but I want you to discuss that one, and then we're going to talk about time, and that's the second question is like, what time windows in your week are most difficult to be fully present? I'll share with me, for you guys, like, um, sometimes watching my kids' games can be challenging, where, like, my phone rings or whatever, and, like, I want to answer, and I want to, like, text people or do whatever, and, like, it's an hour-long game, 50-minute game, and so, like, sometimes it's hard. But I'm trying to push back that and just say, I'm going to be fully present. That's just one example. But there may be other areas in your life where it's f- difficult to be fully present with the people that are in front of you. What are those blocks? What does it look like? You don't have to like solve it all. Just acknowledge it. Just a like, real quick, like this is the area that's tough for me. And then, uh, and then I'll close this in prayer. So let's just take four minutes to do that real quick and uh, chat with somebody nearby. Discussions could probably go on and on, um, but hopefully it begins to crack open a little bit more of just areas that we need to continue to just surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow God to work uh, and and do what God does best, right? Because um, we can't do it all in our own strength, but Jesus does invite us to let our light shine, and so we, we have to push back that training that's been done in our lives to be selfish, that training that's been ingrained in our minds of me first, and all that kind of stuff, but to learn that, no, you know, God loves all of us, and let's begin to have the ability to um, to be loving to the people around us, and that includes our children, all right? Um, all of that, at, at the most challenging times, we are called to be loving, and, um, and that's communion. We're communing with God, and one of the definitions that I didn't give you earlier was um, just this idea that Communion is that connection. It's creating that relationship um, because the word communion is used. In other words, we're like a commune with a person. Um, we do that with God and we do that on a regular basis. And that's why we take communion to say, I want to commune with God. I want to be with him and recognize that he is in everything and in everyone, um, that he longs to work through everything and everyone. Um and so let's let our shine, our light shine. Let me pray over us as we uh, go into the rest of this day. Lord, uh, we, we recognize that there is a tendency to um, not, not necessarily intentionally work towards evil, but allow evil to work in our lives. And so we want to push that back, Lord. We want to be the kind of people who are filled with your Holy Spirit and allowing our light to shine, that your light shines through us in conversations, in the ways that we carry ourselves in our thought life and everything that we are. May we be at peace with you because we recognize that Satan wants to rob us of that peace and rob us of that effectiveness in this world. And So may you fill us and send us as we go into the rest of this day. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name.